This week, two days before we launched these 40 days of prayer, I'd like to turn from fasting to prayer. If you'd turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. That man up there obviously is about to eat. He's not fasting, but he is praying. And all of us can do that. And there's power in prayer. As we see in Romans chapter 8, and we're going to be starting today in verse 26. As I said in my email as we launched this 40-day journey on Tuesday, your response to this message, and in particular to something that we're going to be putting in your hands today and sending out by email this coming uh, tomorrow morning, your response will determine the future of this congregation for generations, not to mention that of uh, your loved ones, because we're going to be lifting up our loved ones as well. Response to what? Why pray? Well, Romans 8, starting in verse 26. Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for us as we ought, for the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep than words. Now, Paul means to encourage us here. He, he just said, to put it in the context, just a few verses before, that we ourselves groan within ourselves in this overcoming battle of the Christian life. It's hard so much that we groan in labor pains, which is the meaning of groaning there. He had just shared about the sufferings of this present time. And he apparently thinks after that that it can make a difference for us to know that the Spirit helps in our weakness because he intercedes for us with groanings too deep than words. Who cares that I'm in his prayers? Well, it has to do with this. There's something about prayer that most people don't fathom, don't have a clue, don't understand, even those who have been in the church a long time. So listen carefully. What's going on in these verses verses is very simply the Spirit's prayer, which is, as I've titled this message, the force of our destiny, and then the Father's answer, which is the source of our destiny. Because it goes from the Spirit's prayer in verses 26 and 27 to the Father's answer in verse 28. Let's read it again. The Spirit helps our weakness, Paul says, by interceding for us according to the will of God. And what happens as a result? Well, in the very next verse in Romans 8, 28, one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture, Paul turns from the Spirit's prayer to the Father's answer. For we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. There's so much there. But overall, he's talking about our destiny. We've been predestined to something. And over all that the Father, uh, over it all and under it all, the Father is the source of our destiny. Roman numeral one in your notes. As he orchestrates his plan for whom he foreknew, These he also predestined. He's going through the steps of his plan to become conformed to the image of his son. That's the goal. And then what happens in each step of the way? Those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Predestined, called, justified, glorified. These are big words and there's a lot here. But the overall idea is that our destiny 
has a momentum, predestined, called, justified, glorified, a momentum that is inevitable through the four unstoppable, the four inexorable stages of being predestined, called, justified, glorified. And it's so sure to happen that even though we haven't been glorified yet, Paul puts it in the past tense as though we already have. These he also glorified. It is done because it was finished on the cross. And someday we're going to be conformed to the image of the sun. We're going to shine like the sun because the force of destiny is on our side and we're leaving the rest of humanity in the dust. And why is the force uh, with us? Well, the source of our destiny can be seen in the orchestration of the Father's plan. But the force of our destiny can be seen in the uh, intercession of the Spirit's prayer. That came just before. Verse before. He intercedes for us according to the will of God. And as a result, the will of God is accomplished through all the stages of his plan. And as a result, you're a rising star. Through hell and high water, all things work together in such a way that you'll shine like the sun forever. Now hang on, because there's real treasure here. In Hebrews 7, we're told, point B in your notes, that Christ is doing the same thing as the Spirit. That he's praying. It says, Jesus is able to save forever those who draw near to him. To God through him, Hebrews 7.25. That is, that is, he saves forever through all the stages of our salvation. He saved us from the penalty of sin when we first came to him. And now he's saving us more and more from the power of sin as we walk with him. And someday he'll even save us from the very you know, presence of sin, as we say, when we'll become like him altogether. It's the same process that Paul talks about in Romans 8. Predestined, called, justified, glorified, except here it is in a nutshell. He is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him until one day we're glorified. But how does he do it? Next line, Hebrews 7, 25b. Since he always lives to make intercession for us. There's something about prayer that most people don't understand. And that is this, our destiny, while it's orchestrated by the Father's providence, our destiny is being activated by the Spirit's prayers and by those of the Son. You see, God prays to himself, point C in your notes. You might call it Trinitarian intercession. He's been doing it since the creation of the world and before. When he said, let us create, remember that man in our own image? Who was he talking to anyway? He was talking to himself, which I take great comfort in. <laughs> I really do, because I talk to myself too, especially when I prepare my sermons, even in places like Starbucks, and all of a sudden people are looking up and think I'm weird, you know, I'm crazy. He's talking to himself. And I say, well, God does it. No, I, I don't say that, but I, that's what I feel. <laughs> so if you ever see me doing that, I'm not crazy. <laughs> There's good precedent for it, I think. Let us create man in our own image. And what's going on is this. If you compare scripture with scripture, the prayers of the spirit and the prayers of the son in loving unison are calling out the plans of the father. 
They prayed according to his will before the creation of the world. And when they did, his will became his work. And so the whole creation is the Father's loving response to the desires of the Son and the desires of the Spirit for the will of the Father to be realized. His will became his work as a uh, a loving response to the two persons he loved most who were asking him to do it. So the whole creation is grounded in love. It says in our passage for today that the Spirit intercedes according to the will of God. We're told in 1 Corinthians 2.10 that the Spirit searches out the depths of God. And so he knows the will of God. So he can pray according to his will. He prays it out. And when he does, presto changeo, the will of God becomes the work of God. Out of nowhere. But prayer. what Christ did all through his earthly life. He knew from Joel 2.28, for instance, that God's plan was to pour out his spirit on his people. But God activated that plan through prayer, through Christ's prayer, which is why Christ said in John 14, I will ask the Father and he will send you the helper that is the spirit. Christ prayed that Peter's faith would not fail, even though God had already promised him that not one of his disciples would fall away except Judas. And so Christ knew that Peter would not fall away like Judas would. Yet still he prayed that he wouldn't. I have prayed for you, Luke twenty-two thirty-two, that your faith may not fail. What's going on here? God promised to give Christ the nations as his inheritance. But still, the Father told him to do this in Psalm 2. Ask of me, and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance. The very ends of the earth is your possession. Ask of me. Why did he have to pray for it, even though he knew God had already promised it? Because, and listen to this, prayer is what activates the promises. It is the truly force of our destiny. And it's not just the Son and the Spirit who do this, point D in your notes, but the saints. It's all through Scripture. You see them praying according to the will of God, that is praying out the will of God. Which is exactly what this godly saint is doing. It's like when Daniel read in the book of Jeremiah that the captivity was only going to last 70 years, as we saw last week. And all of a sudden, he realized, hey, this is the year. And what did he do then? You know, run away and wait on the hill for it to happen? No, he prayed that it would happen. Daniel 9.3, he gave attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer and supplications and sackcloth and fasting and ashes with groanings too deep for words. He uttered one of the most powerful prayers that you'll find anywhere in Scripture. We read some of it last week. He pled with God to, something, to do something he already said he'd do. Because you see, prayer is the trigger by which we become his partners, starting with Trinitarian intercession. Why prayer? It's the trigger that turns the will of God into the work of God. 
God's will is activated in and through and all around those who pray in an accelerated and fuller way. Could it be more simple? Let me say it again. God activates his will in and through and all around those who pray according to his will. And this prayer guide will help help you do it each day. And what that means is this. If you want God Almighty to actualize his will in and through and all around you and your loved ones and our, our congregation in an accelerated way, in a deeper and a richer and a fuller way, if we as a church want God's will to be activated in and through uh, and all around us, maybe in an unprecedented way, if, if you want to be part of an, uh, an escalating uh, movement of the Holy Spirit, one that positions us midstream of what God is doing as never before, of his will, his agenda, to his glory, if that's what you want, you'll be on your knees. God does nothing except an answer to prayer. It's all driven by prayer. From the creation of the world to the redemption of humanity, from our justification to our sanctification to our glorification. All that and more comes through the force of our destiny, starting with Trinitarian intercession as the Spirit himself and the saint of the Son intercedes for the saints according to the will of God as do the saints. And so for 40 days, starting this Tuesday, we will be interceding, perhaps as never before, through prayer and fasting, which we saw last week is the nuclear intensifier of prayer at a time when we need it like never before. Because we want to see God's will God's purposes, God's desires activated in and through and all around us in an unprecedented way. And if you want that for yourself personally and for your loved ones and for your church family, then join the force that's going to drive our destiny. Some of you know that this is behind the destiny of our nation. Prayer and fasting. It happened during the Civil War, for instance, when it could easily have fallen, all fallen apart. Did you know how God turned the tide uh, in the Civil War to give us a whole new era, a whole new chapter as a country of prosperity to fulfill our destiny in a deeper and a richer and a brighter way than ever before in our history? It was our darkest hour as a nation in the middle of the Civil War when on March 30th, 1863, from Washington, D.C., Abraham Lincoln released what he called a proclamation appointing a national fast day. He went to war in another way. He knew about these things. But in this proclamation, he did not take sides which must have taken for him, you know, like Herculean willpower, given how strongly he felt about the other side, about slavery. Yet far from taking sides, he owned uh, the sins of the nation, rather than just pointing the finger at the other side, which he could rightfully have done. Just as we all need to own the sins of the congregation without just pointing the finger. 
It's a proclamation that's for us too. 150 years later, our nation wouldn't do anything like this anymore, but we can and we must. And so it would behoove all of us to affirm this before God silently as I read it aloud, because this will also be a proclamation appointing a congregational fast that will begin on Tuesday when we will seek his guidance in a posture of repentance, looking for his deliverance. What did he say? Well, why don't we all stand as we listen? Whereas the Senate of the United States and the Session of Faith Evangelical Church Devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God and all the affairs of men and nations, have, by a resolution, requested the President to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation, and whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with the assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon. And insomuch as we know that by his divine law, nations like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world, may we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war which now desolates the land may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins. To the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people and our congregational reformation. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power to confess our national sins, our congregational sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. All this being done in sincerity and truth, let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the united cry of the nation, the united cry of the congregation will be heard on high and answered with blessings. No less than the pardon of our national sins and the restoration of now of our divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. In witness thereof, I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed by the President Abraham Lincoln and William Seward, Secretary of State. 
and I do hereby here designate and set apart Tuesday, October the 15th to Saturday, November the 23rd, 2019 for congregational humiliation, fasting, and prayer. To seek God's guidance in a posture of repentance for the advent of his deliverance. Amen. You may be seated. So, what happened when the nation went to its knees in this way? Well, the rest is history. He delivered them. And what can happen when a congregation drops to its knees in this way? I believe we will be saying the rest is history. If you all fall on your knees together. Let me just say a few things before we close. Again, you can sign up to fast at the table uh, uh, next to the Connection Center, whether just for a meal or a day or longer. Our goal is to fill every meal for 40 days. There are three handouts at the sign-up table. One, again, is the, day, uh, is the prayer guide. It has daily prayers that will keep us all on the same page. Um, the one that's right there right now is for the first 10 days. They'll be coming out in four batches of 10. And all of us can do this, whether or not you can fast. All of us can pray. So stick this in your Bibles and pray the prayers each day. We'll be praying for ourselves personally, for our families, uh, for our loved ones, and for our church family. We will be praying in the synergy uh, and the efficacy that comes when we do it together, when we pray in unity. So this one is for all of us. The second one is the uh, prayer guide for, uh, the guide for fasting. If you fast, you'll want to read these instructions. They'll give some really good instructions on it as a pastoral letter on prayer and fasting from Brian uh, and the elders. Uh, the third one is a suggested guide to prayer and fasting over a single meal. If you fast a meal, take this with you. It'll show you how to fast for an hour, how to pray for an hour through that fast by five-minute increments. By the way, your response to last Sunday, uh, to the sign-up last Sunday, was incredible. I've never seen anything quite like it. There are just a few meals that need to be filled before we start the fast on Tuesday, and that is the dinners for a week from Friday, a week from Saturday, and a week from Sunday. Three dinners. I guess we like our dinners. <laughs> but we've got almost every meal filled for 40 days and more, and we can, do, we can fill it again. So if you weren't here last week, or if you were praying about what you should do, please continue to join us by going to the sign-up table. Those sign-up sheets, as you watch them fill up, we're going to keep them up there for the whole 40 days because they are a visible sign that we are coming together in unity against the Prince of Darkness, Grim, our true enemy. They're a sure sign, I believe, of the deeper unity that we will share once it's over as we seek God together in one accord to realize our destiny. Lord, we thank you that you have given us such clear instructions in your scripture. Thank you, Father, for the clear examples of what you do when we together fall to our knees. 
and for what we'll be hearing from Jim Murphy from the book of Joel next week. Uh, yet another story. Lord, as we launch into this on Tuesday, we pray very simply that through these 40 days you would draw us nearer to you. You are the answer. Draw us near. Draw us together. United in you as we seek your face. Unite us as we seek your guidance in a posture of repentance, looking for your deliverance. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.